This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Politics by Faith. Mike Slater, thanks for being here. If you're new here, Welcome. The genesis of what we're doing is uh, I'm uh, way too anxious. I get worked up, strung up on, on different stories in the news, pretty much everything in the news. And I've been tempted before to just give up. Like it's too much. But that's not good because these things that are in the news, they affect your life. They affect how you raise your family and, and you're trying to put food on the table. These things matter. So the goal of this podcast is to Stay engaged with the topics, the, the stories of the day, but lean into that anxiety, lean into it, lament it as we'll do later, and then provide some historical perspective because there's nothing new under the sun and then some biblical peace so that we can go to sleep at night and wake up and be rested to fight another day. Politics by faith. The last couple of weeks, we've had two different versions that have lived here on this podcast. One is from the TV show, the final segment of the TV show. We've been doing a smaller version. And then twice a week, we have the, the longer official podcast version. And that's what this is right here. I, th I think a bit of a longer one today. The TV show ones are a little pithier. I figured today we can perhaps go a little longer and then maybe tighten them up uh, once the TV show ends. And we're just doing the TV show every day up until the midterms, which is only a week away. Anyway, let's get to it. The story of the day. Elon Musk takes over Twitter for $44 billion. <laughs> now, why does this matter to you? You're thinking, I'm not even on Twitter. What do I care? Why does it matter to you? I'll answer that. But first, what's going on? <laughs> Obviously, we've seen this in the news, but like, what? What's happening? Let's give the, the who, what, where, why, when. So who? Elon Musk. A young Elon Musk said he wanted to change three things in the world, the internet, space, and green energy. So he founded PayPal, which allows people to exchange money over the internet. So internet, check, got it. Then he founded SpaceX with the ultimate goal of colonizing Mars, but also in the meantime, launching rockets into space, a private rocket company, <laughs> like, a, like a private spaceship company. What? So his rockets can launch into space and then land upright again so they can just reload it faster and then relaunch it back into space. Ridiculous. A NASA report, a NASA report found that Elon's rocket development, SpaceX, cost 10% of what it would have cost at NASA. 10%. <laughs> that was their analysis. He has launched 2,300 Starlink satellites into space. It beams internet all around the world. Check this fact out. 37% of the world has never been on the internet. So it's 3 billion people have never been on the internet. So if 37% have never, you have to imagine, it's at least 50% of the world has unreliable internet access. So imagine when half the world is opened up to 
being connected with the rest of the world. It's an unbelievable potential still to come. And that's what Elon is, is doing there. So uh, he's launched 2,300 satellites. The goal is 42,000. And this would give Elon the ultimate high ground of the entire world. He would be like everyone in the world who does not have internet yet would go through Elon and his company in order to get internet access. So it's a ton of power right there. So space check, internet check, space check. He also uh, is the founder of Tesla. Of course, that's his green energy contribution check. He got all three, but he's not done there. He has an artificial intelligence company called Neuralink. It's terrifying. It's another episode. We'll save it for another day, but it's a computer chip in your brain. Elon says the greatest limiter of technology is the speed of your thumbs. So the time that it takes you to text something is the slowest thing of technology. It's what's holding technological progress back is just how fast you can move your, your hands, your thumbs. So to bypass that, he's inserting computer chips right into people's brains. It's called Neuralink. Now, this episode's not about Elon Musk, but I, I just wanted to share all that to say he's into very big things. And he's not a conservative. He doesn't have a Christian worldview, certainly. But he doesn't have a conservative one either. And that's fine. You don't have to. It's not like he's a bad person because of that. But he just know that. He may sometimes stumble upon a conservative value, but Elon Musk is not a conservative. And he's also not someone you can trust with too much power which he has a lot of right now and growing. So that's the who. What caused Elon to buy Twitter? Now, this is a crazy story. He admits, by the way, he overpaid for Twitter by a lot. So it wasn't for financial reasons. So what caused him to do this? One value Elon does have is freedom of speech. He knows that Twitter and the other social media platforms were originally promised to be a digital town square. That's, that was Twitter's original intent. We are a digital town square. Back in the olden days, there would be a, the town square where everyone would gather and tell stories. And if this were an NPR podcast, I'd put in the background like some uh, cowbells and, and uh, like a marketplace sound effects in the background, a couple chickens and people buying and selling and trading and spinning yarns and talking about the goings-ons in the king's court and stuff like that. Today, we have the digital version of that, and we call it Twitter. Now, I wish this wasn't the case, but it is. Now, you may not even be on Twitter. You're thinking, well, Slater, how does this even affect me? Here's the problem. The conversation, it's in air quotes, the conversation that occurs on Twitter is a major contributor to what is considered the news that newspapers write about and TV shows talk about. So what happens on Twitter, whether you're there or not, people in the media look at it and then take it from Twitter and that's now the news. The idea of what's trending is based on Twitter being the arbiter of what people are talking about. It's the town square. Even if you're not in the town square, the media is in the town square and then they leave the town square and, and scream in your windows uh, what everyone in the town square is talking about. So the town square matters to you whether you're there or not. Now, they're in the town square even though only 25% of Americans are on Twitter and only 10% of Twitter users produce 97% of all the tweets. 
10% of Twitter users produce 97% of all the tweets. Twitter has a very disproportionate impact over what the media tells you is the news. And I wish that wasn't the case, but it is. So why did Elon buy it? This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Twitter kept banning people because of their speech, the things they would say, the offensive things they said. Twitter also had shadow bans. They would ban people without those people even knowing that they were banned. So the person would tweet something and then very few people, if any, would even see their tweets. So in short, Twitter abandoned their value of freedom of speech. And the straw that broke the camel back was the Babylon Bee. Are you familiar with the Babylon Bee? You have to be. They're fantastic. The Babylon Bee is a hilarious Christian satire website. And on March 15th of 2022, they wrote a headline. The Babylon Bee's man of the year is Rachel Levine. Now, Rachel Levine is Richard Levine. Richard Levine was a football player in high school. 10 years ago, he started living as a woman. He became the secretary of the Pennsylvania Department of Health And then clearly, because he was the most brilliant doctor in America, and for no other reason, was named by Joe Biden as the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services for Health. (laughs) And for some reason, the Public Health Service Commissioned Corps is a uniformed part of the government, along with the branches of the military. So this makes him a four-star admiral. Which is why you get headlines like this from NPR. Dr. Rachel Levine is sworn in as the nation's first transgender four-star officer. And you're like, I mean, 
in the Public Health Service Commission Corps, which I didn't even know was a thing. But here's his official picture of him in a uniform, dressed as a woman. So Babylon B called him the man of the year. And Twitter banned the Babylon B because that was mean, transphobic. And they banned Babylon B until they deleted the post and they refused. So Elon Musk heard about this and said, I might need to buy Twitter. And then $44 billion later, he did. Now people on the left are freaking out saying, oh, I'm, we're going to leave Twitter. All because Elon wants people to have freedom of speech in today's digital town square. Notice Elon never said, and he has no intentions of banning people on the left. But there's a lot of people in this country who do not value freedom of speech at all. They have a higher value than freedom of speech, and that is being nice. And anything that's mean or offends anyone or could possibly offend a hypothetical person somewhere, that speech needs to be silenced. It's hate speech. Hate, of course, the opposite of being nice. Now, quick sidebar, perhaps. My standard of freedom of speech, my line is very simple. Everything is allowed until it incites imminent lawless action. Inciting imminent lawless action is not allowed. That's it. Anything short of that, you're good to go. That's the Supreme Court standard from 1969, Brandenburg versus Ohio, if you want to research more. Imminent lawless action. If it hurts your feelings, it's protected. If it's misinformation, it's protected. If it's disgusting, it's protected. Even if it's hateful, intentionally so, that's protected. You don't like it, speak back. More speech is the answer, not less. More speech in the town square is the answer. Elon Musk said free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy. And Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. So that's the background of Elon Musk buying Twitter. So let's take this moment to talk about the future of Twitter, but more importantly, our use of Twitter and social media that can best keep us engaged as citizens and also sane as people. <laughs> I, want, I want to achieve both. The, I want to be engaged as, as a citizen and sane as a human being. So let's get to the root of this. Uh, this section is called, it's funny, people have noticed that this podcast is broken into seven sections. Uh, this is the third section. It's called the fallen condition focus. It's a preacher term. It just means what's the root? What's the root of the story here? What's the root of the sin that is that we need to analyze and talk about? So every social media is successful because it taps into one of the seven deadly sins. That's why they're appealing to people. That's why they're addictive to people. So lust is Tinder. You sit on your couch and you scroll through and you find people to have one night stands with. That is lust. Gluttony is Instagram. We think of gluttony as overindulgence of food, which it mostly is, but it can also be uh, extravagant indulgence of anything. There was a Greek mythological figure his name was Tantalus, and his punishment was to stand in a pool of water, and there was a delicious fruit tree just above him, but whenever he reached for it, it moved just beyond his grasp. He could never get it, 
And whenever he bent over to drink some water, the water would recede and he could never get any. Tantalus is his name. That's where we get the word tantalize. It is desiring an object that is just out of reach. It's Instagram. You scroll through Instagram. Here's all the nice vacation spots. Here's all the um, food. Here's all the uh, beautiful houses that you can never afford. It's all tantalizing. Here's the, the people, right? The models, right? It's everything. It's all, it's all right there to tantalize you. It's gluttony. You overindulge. Greed is LinkedIn. Sure, good networking. Oh, all these can be used for good. Absolutely. But that's not why they're so popular. Uh, sloth is Netflix. The CEO of Netflix years ago said his number one competitor was not Hulu. I mean, who do you think it is? What's the number one competitor of Netflix? It's not Hulu. It's not Apple TV. It's sleep. And anything else productive. So sloth is Netflix. We literally have a term, binge watch. Envy is Pinterest. And I throw in there Instagram as well. It's when you desire what others have to the point where you become blind to what you have. Envy. We had an episode about envy a couple weeks ago. Pride is Facebook. Look at me, everyone. Aren't I amazing? Uh, there's another Greek word that we don't think of anymore, acedia, A-C-E-D-I-A. It's this spiritual checking out of the world. And I think that's what all these social media companies combined create in our lives and in our country. It's just this indifference to right and wrong or really anything. It just like numbs our spiritual soul. We can spend that, do another day on that one too. But the social media app that we're talking about here is Twitter. So what seven deadly sin have we, have we not done yet? So lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, envy, pride. What's Twitter? Wrath. Twitter is wrath. Have you been there before? In Dante's Inferno, I mean Twitter. Have you ever been on Twitter before? In Dante's Inferno, the fifth circle of hell is full of those who had wrath. This is English writer Dorothy Sayers. I'm going to read this description of the fifth circle of hell. <laughs> you tell me if this is... I will play a game. I'll read this from Dorothy Sayers. You tell me if this is the fifth circle of hell as described in Dante's Inferno or the most perfect description of Twitter ever. Okay. Uh, so all these souls in the river sticks, the active hatreds rend and snarl at one another at the bottom of the river. The sullen hatreds lie gurgling, unable even to express themselves for the rage that chokes them. And everyone's fighting with each other for no reason. And there's never any winner. That is Twitter. When Elon took over, people started testing the limits. And this is like last week. People started testing the limits of their new freedom of speech policies in this public square. And according to the Network Contagion Research Institute, I've never heard of them before. Don't know if I trust them, but let's just go with it. The use of the N-word increased 500% in just the first 12 hours of Elon taking over. And LeBron James and a bunch of other celebrities came out and said, oh, this is very scary. They don't like the public square anymore. And you're like, yeah, Twitter's a very ugly place. Why? Because people's hearts are ugly places. Twitter's actually a pretty accurate reflection of the human heart. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. 
The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Flavel was a Puritan minister as about the 1650s. He said to keep the heart, right, so we're talking about the human heart, to keep the heart then is to carefully protect it from sin, which disorders it, and maintain that spiritual flame, which fits it for life of communion with God. Carnal and formal people do not pay attention to this, the heart. They cannot be brought to confer with their own hearts. There are some people who have lived 40 or 50 years and have scarcely one hour's discourse with their own hearts. It's a hard thing to bring a man and himself together to do this. But Christians know that these soliloquies, these conversations are very beneficial. I commune with my own heart, David said. Psalm 4, 4, I commune with my own heart. The heart can never be kept until its attitude is examined and understood. Mm. I recommend hitting the back button, the 30-second back button, and listening to that whole quote again. It's very good. The, so it's about the heart. Are you with me? And no one looks at the heart. No one analyzes the heart. No one investigates their own heart because it's a pretty dark place, honestly. The greatest modern lie today, no question, is that man is born good. Because if you don't need saved, you don't need a savior. That's why the atheists created this lie. Almost everyone, many Christians, will tell you that deep down, people are good. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know. It's not what the Bible says, not at all. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Ooh, these are good things to talk about before you log into Twitter. Why is the heart important? Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And the classic Ezekiel 36.26, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Twit, you see the heart there? <laughs> you see, I, there's like, it's an old heart, new heart. Twitter is a place where people's true hearts are revealed. People who are not into Twitter will sometimes look in and just be shocked and disgusted by what goes on there and how people treat each other. But there's nothing shocking about it. The heart's an ugly place, and Twitter is too, because the heart is desperately sick. Also, Twitter's the only social media company that allows pornography, and 13% of Twitter is pornography. So let's lament. Let's lament this. How can I sleep at night knowing that this is the current state of social media and also of uh, our, our nation and of political discourse. I don't want this to be the town square. <laughs> this is a horrific town square we have. 
And we just, we've ended up just now talk to each other. Like we're a bunch of Twitter bots yelling at each other. Like, like in Dante's Inferno, assuming the worst of each other. That's to me, the worst thing. Twitter does a few things. So first there's no nuance. There's just not enough space in 140 characters, but there's also no appetite for it because people are scrolling as fast as they can. There's no appetite, appetite for, for nuance. The second, it's all about the reach. And, and to get retweets and likes, you got to be outrageous. So the algorithm is set up to bring the worst out of us. You want to be successful on this platform, you got to be outrageous. Third problem with Twitter, it's very tribal. The algorithm feeds you only the things that you agree with. Maybe it'll throw in some things to get you inflamed and outraged now and again. But we became, we, on Twitter, we're very tribal. And therefore, in real life, we've become even more tribal. And on Twitter, everything's out of context. And back to what I said to begin, we only assume the worst of everything we read and everyone on it. Things that if you heard someone say in person, if you understood their tone, or you, excuse me, if you saw them in person, you could understand their tone and you could see their eyes and their body language. I heard this when I was a kid and I have no idea if this is true. And I don't even know how this person came to this conclusion with such specificity, but I, I, I like the idea. The argument was that when you communicate, only 7% of your communication are the words you say. Only 7% is verbal. 38% is how you say it. And 55% is your body language. Does that add up? Yeah, that adds up. 7% verbal, 38%. So, so, so 7% is the words you say. 38% is how you say it. And 55% is your body language. And I think that, like, that makes sense, right? I could say um, the words you are a wonderful person. Great. Or I could say, oh, you're a wonderful person. That's different. And I put my hands in the air when I said it. Oh, yeah, look at you. You're such a wonderful person. Right? That's very different than just the words. I think that's right. And Twitter, it has not, you're missing 93% of communication. Like, clearly, it's not going to go well. And this toxicity has seeped out of Twitter land. And now it's just how we talk to each other all the time. And we assume the worst of each other all the time. It's a bad scene. So this whole conversation about Twitter and Elon Musk buying it and the whole thing, it's caused me to reflect a lot on my own heart. And, and I'm not proud of it. And I'm not proud of how I can let Twitter and the news in general make me angry. Not a righteous anger. That's good. Just angry. You know, like Twitter is designed to do. So I want to share a story of anger getting the best of someone. Haman. If we have any Jewish listeners or anyone who's familiar with the the, the faith at all, uh, this is the story of Purim. So here's the background. Uh, This is all in the book of Esther, by the way. So there was a, a high official in the court of King Xerxes. It's around 400 BC. So you got Xerxes is the king and the the guy right under that, um, his name was Haman. And all, the, all of his subjects were required to bow down to him, bow down to Haman. Mordecai refused. Let me read Esther 3, 5, and 6. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. He was full of wrath. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, Mordecai was Jewish, He scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, 
throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. You with me? Mordecai wouldn't bow down. I'm not just going to kill him. I'm going to kill all of his people. I'm going to kill all the Jewish people across the entire kingdom. So Haman convinced the king to uh, pass a law. Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's providences with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day and to plunder their goods. And then uh, Haman started to build these gallows, 75 feet high, an eight-story building to hang Mordecai. Meanwhile, Mordecai, the guy who Haman was going to kill, let Xerxes know that two of his officials were going, were, were plotting to assassinate him. So Xerxes loves Mordecai. Oh, how can I honor you? What can I do? You know what? Who's here? Who, who's any of my, do I have any of my officials here? I have any, I got an official, bring my official in. I'm going to ask him what I can do to honor you. Turns out it was Haman. Haman was there waiting for the king so that he could go in and, and say, hey, we're going to kill Mordecai on these 75 foot gallows I set up. So Haman enters the king's presence and Xerxes says, what should be done for the man that the king delights to honor? And let me read Esther 6.6. Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So Haman thought, the king's asking, how should I honor you, Haman? So he said to the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have him bring a royal robe the king has worn. And a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Again, thinking, thank you, king. I deserve that. Haman did not know that the king was talking about Mordecai. So Haman was forced to lead his enemy through the city streets in a procession that he thought was going to be for him. To make matters worse for Haman, Xerxes banished the queen. And a new woman, Esther, rose up the ranks of his harem and became queen. She was the most beautiful woman in all the land. And her and Mordecai were cousins. Long story short, the king offers the queen anything you want up to half my kingdom. And she asks for Haman to be killed. And he was on the very same gallows he built for Mordecai. 75 feet tall. Now, one of the many morals of this story is look where your wrath got you, Haman. Look where your anger brought you. As is often the case, we think the enemy is someone or something out there but it's almost always within you. Haman demanded to be worshipped by Mordecai. He was angry when he wasn't, when he didn't get what he deserves. And his anger led to his death. Even if it didn't lead to his death, his anger was going to lead to death, at least Mordecai's death, which is bad enough. But it ended up leading to his murder, and Haman's soul became murder in real life. He thought Mordecai turned out to be his own life. So the question, of course, is, does Haman live in your heart? Now you compare that to Caleb. When the Israelites were wandering in the desert, they were whining and complaining, wishing they were back to being slaves in Egypt. Even that was better than this. And 
God sentenced them that they'll never go to the promised land. But then God said, this is Numbers 14.22. Not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. He followed me wholeheartedly. So you, do me, do I, do you want a heart of anger like Haman, full of Twitter wrath? Or do you want the heart of Caleb, a man of different spirit, brought into the promised land with love and truth? Let's not be people of all-consuming anger and anger that will only lead to your self-destruction. So what's in my control? With Twitter, you can either let the algorithm control you or you can control the algorithm. How do you do that? Only follow certain people that add value to your life. Don't be at the whim of the algorithm. Use it as a tool. You can mute words or phrases so they never show up on your Twitter feed. You can block people. You can just just carve away at this hideous beast that is Twitter and make it something useful to you. May I also recommend, and this is not a paid advertisement in any way, I downloaded this app a couple weeks ago, and it's been really great so far. Uh, so I was using Twitter way too much. I don't know. Maybe on my phone, I'd check it 20 times a day. Anytime I was doing anything, I, I'd, I'd, I would walk down the hallway in my house, and I would check Twitter on the way. And then sometimes it would take me out. I'd like find something and I'd get distracted and, and I'd just like stand in the hallway checking Twitter, like ridiculous. My children would be waiting for me, just shameful to admit. So I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore, but I was addicted to it. So I downloaded this app. It's called One Sec. Again, this is not a, a paid advertisement in any way. Uh, let me make sure that's what it's called. Yeah, One Sec, S-E-C. And what it does is you set it on any app you want, any app that you're addicted to or whatever. And whenever I click Twitter, it says, take a deep breath. And it takes like three seconds before you're allowed to open the app. And it just delays it for three seconds. And 99% of the time, I kid you not, 99% of the time, uh, I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> like I click Twitter and then it says, hey, take a deep breath. And I'm like, one, two, one. And I just move on. I just, I'm done. I don't want to. Right? Isn't that amazing? It's, a, it's a two seconds. Two seconds of friction. Two seconds of delay. And that's all I need to live my life. And if you really need it, then it's only three seconds. You can wait three seconds and then you can do whatever you need to do if you really need to do it. But that delay is all it takes to break an addiction. It got me back in control of Twitter as opposed to Twitter controlling me. It's one sec. It's where I've, I've had it for like a month. It's been great. So like I used to check it maybe 20 times. Now I'll check it zero to one time a day on my phone. All right. This is a longer episode. We should wrap up. But do you understand uh, all this? These are all friendly reminders about your heart, checking your heart, watching your heart, how you engage in this digital town square, being aware of what Elon Musk uh, is doing and how we can you know, participate in a, in a healthy 
way and leave being a sane person. So big picture of all of this for me, friendly reminder to watch your heart. It's just one of my favorite scriptures. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble. Here, here's, your, here's your mission statement, your goal for Twitter. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that the point of this podcast? Isn't that the goal of what we all want? Don't we all just want peace? You want that? You want peace? Put that scripture to memory and remember it whenever you open up Twitter. Thanks for being here. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't and, and leave a five-star review. I, I check it. We need a thousand. That's when you hit the big time. We need a thousand five-star reviews uh, on, on iTunes at least. You may be listening on iHeartRadio or other things where you can't leave uh, a review. That's fine. But if you can go over to iTunes and leave one, that'd be fantastic. And, and I check them out and I'm just so grateful. You just like the sweetest, nicest review. You don't have to say, but say, hey, great podcast. That's all. That's all it needs. It counts as one. But the the kindness that you have showed uh, that this is filling a need in your life, and it is in mine, and I'm grateful it is for you as well. So thank you for that, and, and thank you for being here. We'll do it again tomorrow. Politics by faith. Mike Slade. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.